Learning how to tell good stories is not just about building a connection with people on a deeper level, but it is also about establishing trust and that familiarity with people. Ultimately, it helps you to build relationships with people, not just family and friends, but also in business. And today I'm speaking to Hassani, also known as X, and he is an expert storyteller. And I know you guys are going to be in for a treat because I've already spoken to him and it's just amazing the stories that he's telling. It is so fun to listen to him. And he didn't always start by being an expert storyteller. He started on the streets of Oakland, California, to becoming the first generation college graduate, earning an Ivy League degree from the University of Pennsylvania. Now, his company, Lead With Your Story, or Lead Your Story, is a company that uses the power of story to build strong brands and company culture. He is also a father of three and her husband. I can't wait for you guys to tune in on this episode. Welcome to season nine of Unleash Your Focus podcast, the number one place to be to start, grow, or scale your online business. This season, we have stepped it up. I am not just diving in behind the scenes to understand what makes these entrepreneurs successful, but throughout season nine, we will be giving away prizes every single week that you can win books, courses, coaching programs, vouchers, and so much more. You will not just get the knowledge from the experts on the actual episode, but we will send you a transcription on email every single week with a summary and a call to action that you can implement in your business. To qualify for prices, please make sure that you are on the email list so you don't miss out and share this with friends and family that you think needs this in their life. Go to unmutualfocus.com and register today. I can't wait to share these episodes with you. See you on the inside. Hi, Hassani. How are you doing? I am wonderful, Joy. And just for a little uh, housekeeping, my name is Hassani X, last name X, and okay. everyone calls me X. So if you're, you come across me online, typically it's X. <laughs> Can you tell people a little bit about you? Where did you grow up? What's your background like? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm from Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people are familiar with that, but grew up in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, pretty tough place, rough place. Most of us we had a, a pretty tough time of it, and um, but I, I found my way out. I, I was able to do a few right things through the grace of God and, and make a few right decisions, and I found myself in college, first person in my family to go. I get an Ivy League degree. I graduate, and I start my first business right out of college, and we're crushing it, you know, um, building businesses, consulting on how to grow, guerrilla marketing. The name of the company is 4E Consulting. Nice. Um, couldn't ask for a better life at that point. But Joy, you know how it goes. Uh, everything is good until it's not, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I get a call one day, my mom screaming on the other end, um, saying, hey, Hassani. And I was like, what? She's like, they killed him. They killed him. I'm like, what are you talking about? Your brother, he's dead. They, she got shot. And uh, that floored me in my little perfect world. Because the last conversation Joy mm-hmm. I had with my, my brother was mm-hmm. an argument. He was telling me how I wasn't the big brother he needed how I wasn't there and I didn't support him. And I was like, BS. Mm-hmm. We grew up in the same place, had the same opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. We, you decided to do those things and that's on you, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when my life pivoted because after doing his eulogy, it kind of hit me and things started to come into full circle for me. And I don't know in your life, if you ever had that moment where you truly start to see the patterns, Yes. right? You thought it was this, but here it is clear as mm. day. You can choose to ignore it, or you can choose to, to really listen and pay attention. And, and what it showed me was X was willing to do whatever it took to personally succeed, but I was so fearful of leading anyone. Mm. Um, 
whether it's my brother or being captain of the football team or do whatever, I always punted on leadership. Mm. And I had to ask myself, why? Why did I do that? Mm. And it came down to not believing in myself or being worthy of leading others. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I decided to tackle all of my fears. I just, I went head in on everything, Joy. I, I was scared of heights. So what did I do? I went and jumped out of airplanes. Uh, one time in Hawaii, I jumped out of airplanes 10 times in a row in a single day. I was like, I'm going to overcome the fear of heights. I was scared of physical confrontation. What did I do? I became a professional fighter in 2004, jumped into a cage, crazy story there, and got over my fear of physical confrontation. Like, Anything that scared me, I worked on. I was addicted to sugar and other food and crap. All right, let me let me figure out how to fast on water for two weeks and push myself to the limits. Um, meditation and started biohacking and, and improving my life, diving into personal mm-hmm. development and working with some of the world's best minds and scholars on how to become the best version of yourself. Fast forward mm-hmm. just a few short years, I was consulting businesses but people started asking me about personal stuff. Like, how did you lose that weight? How did you become so in shape? Uh, you're, you seem to be so happy in your, with your marriage and you're such a good father and, 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 and you seem to be just spiritually grounded and, and you make money, like, how do you do it? Mm. And that's when I started to build people instead of building businesses. Mm. Um, and that made me a coach. And then fast forward a few years, I'm, I'm, working with publicly traded companies on helping them develop their leaders and performance. This, this ghetto boy from Oakland, California, Joy, <laughs> is now in front of publicly traded companies, working with people 10, 20 years my senior, saying, this is how you lead. So um, and I would have never thought that to be a possibility for me. Yeah. That is so, so powerful. Now, between you and your brother, then obviously you guys had, and so sorry about the loss of your brother. It's, you know, mm-hmm. that's never fun for anybody to go through. But when that happened, how did you, like before that happened and you guys went your separate ways, what was that defining moment to say, I'm not going to live in the ghetto. I'm not going to have this life. What was that defining moment? I, I tell people there was nothing special about me. Yeah. People always when I was growing up, say, hey, Sonny's special. You know, he, 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 he has something that everyone else doesn't have. And, I, and I, I never believed that. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of distance myself from everything and really reflect mm-hmm. that there was one characteristic that I think I had, I didn't earn, but I had, and I've taught hundreds of others to really think this way. Mm-hmm. It was about being able to shift an experience, no matter how traumatic, into something empowering. And, I, and, and I'll share a quick story for you. My earliest memory of this when I was five. Uh, I, I was five, I saw The Incredible Hulk for the first time. I don't know if you remember the old Incredible Hulk with Lou Ferrigno. Uh, he scared the crap out of me. This big green, uh, he scared the crap out of me. I had nightmares. And the next night I didn't want to go to sleep. And I told my mom, I'm scared. She's like, no boy, get in the bed. You go to sleep right now. So I'm in the bed freaking out, Joy. and. Um, I'm like, he's going to get me. I feel something behind me. I'm scared to death. I pull the cover over my head and I tell myself, if he can't see me, he can't get me. If he can't see me, he can't get me. And I just stayed still. And I repeated that over and over and over again, at least 10,000 times. I didn't move a muscle, Joy, from 8 p.m. that night when I was thrown into the bed to 8 a.m. in the morning. I, I just stayed there and repeated that over and over again. 8 a.m. comes around. My mom pops into the room and is like, Asani, like you're usually up eating your cereal. What's going on? I hear her voice. I hear your mother's voice. You feel like you're saved. I pop up. 
And my first thought was, where were you? That was my first thought. Mm. Like my mom wasn't there. But my next thought was, wait a minute, I didn't die. He didn't get me. <laughs> like I survived. I turned around and it was my pillow. And I immediately popped down off my bed, went into the kitchen, poured me some kicks and went back in the living room, watched TV and Incredible Hulk was on and I was just fine. I can't tell you how many times in my life, no matter what I go through, mm -hmm. I find a way on the backside of it to turn it into something that empowers me. And I tell people all the time, if you don't learn that skill, no matter where you are in life, mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing, you will practice, drill, and rehearse your own drama mm -hmm. enough times that that story will become your trauma. And that is what locks you in, keeps you stuck, or pulls you into that downward spiral where you stay in the pit far longer than you have to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the distinguishing mark that I can, I've relied on to help me to navigate through some very tough and difficult situations. Yeah. And that's some very, very powerful stuff because you define your own destiny. You know, you, yeah. you have to get out of it by yourself. So you obviously had coaches and mentors that helped you through that. In life. Say that, repeat that one more time. You had coaches and mentors that helped you to, to build yourself up like that through life. Was that a, was that a point for you where it actually felt like you, I can say survived the things that happened in your life? Yeah, I, I, I've always walked through life feeling like life was happening for me than life was happening to me. Nice. And I think when you, when you have that sense that life is mm -hmm. happening for you, yeah. you gravitate toward the things that are going to allow you to create an empowering story to govern your life. If, 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 if you feel like a victim or that things are being thrown at you unfairly or that you are subject to whatever it is that's going on around you, however unfair it may be, you've automatically disconnected yourself from your potential power. Mm. It isn't to say that, that what you're going through is your fault. It isn't to say that what you're going through or have gone through or even will go through mm. is on you. I, I think that's insensitive and it lacks empathy. I think the part that, that should empower us and we feel like, like no matter what's outside of us, that, that we have a chance, mm. a fighting chance is that we can interpret the signals of what's happening to us and transform it into something that empowers our next step. And, and, and I tell people, you know, you think about some dusty old rock, a piece of coal. Mm -hmm. Well, it's only until it's under immense pressure that it becomes a diamond. And if you see that pressure as something that you will need to run from or to be scared of or fearful for, you will never find the diamonds, mm -hmm. the true potentiality that you have as an individual. You need literally that level of pressure to become your best version of yourself. I don't ask to get punched in the face. No one does. Mm -hmm. But invariably, we all will get punched in the face. So if we have to, mm -hmm. and we will, why not learn from it? Why not grow from it? Why not become stronger because of it? Yes. Because those are the very stepping stones that take us to where we want to go. Correct. This is so awesome. I'm so grateful for you that you're on here and sharing this inspiration because that's what this podcast is about, to inspiring people around the globe as much as possible, you know, to start businesses and to change their lives and to understand that habits and all the core things in life that people don't actually think of core things like just success habits makes, you know, it's just such a good yeah. growth point. I want to dive a little bit into success habits. So obviously you you have a lot of that going on in your life. I mean, 
success habits is there's so many of them can you share with us a few success habits that you practice on a daily basis yes joy i i truly believe that the fireworks of all of these like immense skills and talent that we look outside of ourselves and see in other people and we are like whoa they're this and i'm not that mm -hmm. the story you are telling ourselves is misconceived what you're seeing as an example of success or whatever is really a function of them having two key things mm -hmm. that you may not be dialed into and i call them the two r's mm -hmm. one are routines and the other is rituals so mm -hmm. routines are the things that you do on a day-by-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. They are the habits, if you will. Mm -hmm. You do them routinely like clockwork. I get up at a certain time, I eat certain things, mm -hmm. exercise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The routines that keep you oriented in your true north or, or marching in forward in a way that's conducive mm -hmm. to your success. Routines, and I think the part that people miss is that a routine should be easy, simple, and repeatable. You don't have to try really hard to step over it. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to lose weight, it's not about going out and running 20 miles and killing yourself. It's about the routine of walking for 10 minutes a day. Mm. I've helped people lose hundred pounds plus, And the only shift was getting them into the routine habit of doing mm -hmm. something simple. Mm. I call it your low bar minimum. What is the smallest thing that you can do routinely and build upon the principle build upon the principle of consistency and mm -hmm. compound interest over time that is what a solid routine is you don't have mm -hmm. to think about it it's easy to do mm -hmm. no heroics no fireworks right mm -hmm. but why is doing that so hard if it's if i say it's so simple yeah the, the reason is because there isn't a lot of emotion generated from doing something simple and easy and because there's not an emotional connection to this simple thing, like walking for 10 minutes, mm. you'll feel like you didn't go anywhere. You'll feel like you haven't done anything. That's where rituals come in. Mm -hmm. Rituals are a highly emotionalized activity geared at helping you to stay emotionally driven around a thing. So you're purposefully, you're purposefully bringing mm. emotion into the equation. I'll give you an example. In my marriage, and I've been married for 20 years now, Congratulations. we routinely, <laughs> we routinely say hi and bye, right? Mm. And we routinely give each other's kiss when we exit, right? That, those are the routine, mm. simple, don't nice. require much effort, right? But that can become stale over time. Mm. So how do you turn it into a ritual? I purposefully, from time to time, make it an emotional act. Hey, babe, come here. I'm, I'm leaving. Come here. Come here look into her eyes, give her a long kiss, slap her on her ass, and just make a thing of it. Make a thing of it on purpose. Emotionalize it. Like, really, like, you remember the first time I kissed you? You need to kiss me. Tell me, you need to kiss me like that. Don't give me that little tired peck. Like, and she laughs. Like, like ritualize it. Bring emotion to it on purpose. Mm. Now, you're working at two extremes. The consistent, easy, everyday thing that you need to do, like clock work and mm -hmm. build upon with consistency for that compound interest effect and you're also emotionalizing it with purposeful rituals that keep you emotionally satisfied and feeling like you've done something of mm -hmm. meaning and purpose it's these two things that marry each other in the life of a successful person mm -hmm. that allows them to always stay ahead of the game 
Gosh, that's powerful. That's really powerful. What is your morning routine? What's your daily routine, really? Oh, daily routine. Um, I try to beat the sun up every day. So, mm -hmm. you know, right now, during the summer months, the sun rises here about five in the morning. So mm -hmm. five, 10 in the morning. So I'm up at 4.30. But in the winter, it doesn't rise till eight. So I'm, I say, beat the sun up. And when I beat the sun up, I first thing I do is go into my meditation and kind of being... Mm -hmm. gratitude and thinking about all the things I want. Then I plan my day and look at my schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to pack my day full of things that have some meaning and purpose to me and my goals. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I go exercise. I tell people like, if you want to set up a morning routine and rituals that mm -hmm. suits you, think of the MEPS map, M-E-P-S. How can you stimulate yourself mentally? Mm -hmm. So you're thinking in the right context as it relates to who you yes. are and what you want to be. Mm -hmm. How do you emotionally edify yourself to feel some type of emotional connection to who you are and who you would like to be? Mm -hmm. How do you physically push yourself? Because your body, you, I think exercise is one of those things that if I didn't do, I don't know how I would be here talking to you. Like, like I am a mess if I haven't been routinely exercising. Mm -hmm. um, so how can I physically do something? Mm -hmm. And then they ask is spiritually. So, so, so how do I put together a routine and ritual program where I'm dealing with that MEPS map, M-E-P-S, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual deposits mm -hmm. into myself to me mm -hmm. before I turn my attention to anybody or anything else. Yep. Um, so that's, that's the morning routine by and large. That's really cool. I like that. And it's so important to put the exercise as part of your routine, because like I said, it actually sets you up for the day, right? It really does. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it does. Um, mm. And, and, and I want to encourage you too, if you're not in the habit of it, mm. it's hard to start that new habit. So mm. pick something small. Yeah. You'd be surprised if you walk and I'm going to walk in because quite mm. literally it can transform your life. This small thing. Oh, you yes. walk for 15 minutes, you yeah. burn 150, 200 calories. And that's like mm. nothing. That's like a Snickers bar or one little thing, but 200 calories times 30 days is 6,000 calories, which is almost two pounds. Mm. Two pounds a month over the course of a year is 24 pounds. Mm. 24 pounds over the course of three years is almost 75 pounds. It's, 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 it's- Compound effect. It thick. feels like, ah, I don't wanna do mm. it because I'm not seeing the, the, the outcome. Mm. So you have to play that routine uh, ritual side as well. Yeah. But I think we measure ourselves in kind of, in ways that aren't conducive to us having an empowering meaning. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, those old stories where the kid is growing up in the house and they show the, the parents, you know, they put a notch on the door and they're like, hey, Jimmy, look, look, this is how tall you are. And he looks at the notch and he goes, oh, wow. And then they flash forward four years, five years. And then Jimmy's looking at the notches up the thing. Well, that's not how we measure ourselves. Yeah. Right. We're not measuring ourselves over time. We go, we go measure ourselves and say, okay, this is where I am. I'm fat, sloppy, and I'm not worth anything. Then we, we go do something. We come back the next day, put another notch in the door and be like, I didn't grow. Mm. Yeah. You can't see it. You can't see a plant grow every day. Yeah. You, it, it happens over time. Mm. So routines that you stay with and then rituals that mm. help you emotionally feel satisfied. Mm. So for example, if you're walking alone, how can you ritualize it by walking with a friend mm. and bring emotion to it, right? Like, like, like know what emotionally stimulates you and mm. in, bring that into your routines and you'll mm. stick with them. Yeah. 
and it's so true what you're saying with the walking. We, um, I live in a small town called Oxford in New Zealand. It's a rural town. Uh-huh. There's only like, a, like about 2,000 people living here. It's actually grown since we've been here. And when we moved here, there was a guy that like walked with his dog every single day. And he was mm-hmm. so overweight, like so overweight. And um, now I see him and he's literally like more than half the size less than he used to be. And he, because every time I left with my children, taking them to school, I would see him walking his dog and he would walk far. He would go all around the farm fields and, you know, all the way around. And it's so true, just like something like walking every day. And he did far, he probably did like a good hour of walking every, every day. Maybe he skipped a few days here and there, but I saw him almost yeah. every day just walking. And it's so powerful, something so small. And I agree with you because now he walked his dog. So he didn't do it by himself. He put that that emotion into it. So yeah, and 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 I would encourage you, no matter where you are, yeah, no matter how dark it seems, mm. you know the old saying: there is no amount of darkness that can squelch the mm. smallest of lights. The only thing you need to be able to see and connect to is the next step. Mm. So many of us want the light to shine so bright that it illuminates the full path. Mm. Yes, we want that but it's just not likely. Mm. And needing that, wanting that, and being paralyzed by not having that full Mm. path being illuminated keeps us stuck. Mm. You only need enough light to be able to take your next step. Because guess what? When you take that next step, that little bitty light will what? Shine Shine. for that next step. Mm. And it's this neat step in front of each other that allows you not only go forward, Mm. but also in empowers that light to shine even more brightly Mm. it's kind of an oxymoron those who can see furthest in the dark are those who took the steps without being able to see Mm. because they have such a confidence that the step they take whatever's on the other side of that i can deal with it Mm. um and just got to practice that you know take that step Mm. do put put this put in front of you i tell people all the time it's easy to come up with a thousand excuses as to why to not do something. The brain, the mind is, is hardwired, mm-hmm. not for your success, mm-hmm. but for your survival. And for warning so you're you going to, nope, it's not you. Your brain mm-hmm. is hardwired to reserve mm-hmm. calories, keep you safe, keep you in your little bottle boxed in. Don't do anything that stretches us or causes us pain. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. Your mind is not you. It's made that way. But the, the, the problem with that is if you listen, you'll believe that. So all those thousand stories as to why not to do something, the only thing you need to do is to find the one reason to do it. Mm. You don't need a thousand. You just need just one. one. Mm. And believe that one reason, even if it ain't true. Yeah. I, I don't care. I got Dumbo's feather and I'm jumping. Um, and I'll figure out that it wasn't the feather once I'm flying. Mm. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> Now you obviously when I when you approached me to be on the podcast, um, I just absolutely love the fact that you tell stories. Storytelling mm-hmm. is so powerful. Can you give us tips on how to tell a really good story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, let's go back to the idea that that yes. we're hardwired for stories as well. Yes, at the crux true. of everything that makes yes. us who we are, it's a belief in a story, a mm-hmm. narrative. We believe we are a certain way, and therefore that informs how we feel, what we do, and what, what we, how we communicate. And that's why stories are so powerful, because when, when someone shares a story with you, what they're basically sharing with you is the blueprint to success, mm-hmm. how to avoid and sidestep danger and problems, 
It's like, hey, over there, there was this lion. And by the way, you don't want to go over there. We ran, we threw a spear at it. We figured out how to survive. Really, the mind goes, that I need to know. That I need to keep, a, you know, uh, check that on my box of things not to do. So that gives us a clue as how to tell a great story. A great story is going to involve overcoming, transformation, getting out of dangerous situations, painful situations. Mm -hmm. I would challenge you in thinking about all the stories that you love from novels, movies, even the stories you share with your girlfriends or your good friends. There's always a hint of drama. Somebody was about mm -hmm. to lose something. There was some pain. There was some trauma. There was an issue. And by the way, somebody figured out a way out of it. And I got to share it with you how they did it. So when you think about telling a story, think about these four Ps. What is the problem and pain that the hero is going through? Mm -hmm. Whether it's you or your audience, what is the problem and pain that they have to go through? The second is the paradigm. Paradigm meaning the way of thinking that kept that person trapped. If you go back to my story, what kept me trapped in being the smaller version of myself was my fear of leading and not feeling worthy. I believed I wasn't worthy of leading. That was my trap. That was my jail cell. And as a storyteller, you need to give your audience and paint a picture of what mm -hmm. that jail cell is that's keeping that person or uh, thing trapped. Mm -hmm. So that's the paradigm. And then you break open that paradigm by giving that person some power. What did you do to escape it? How did you get out of it? Mm -hmm. What special sauce did you bring to the table to figure out a way out of this jail cell? That's mm -hmm. the power. And last but not least, 99 times out of 100, the story needs to end on a happy note. So there's pleasure. Yeah. What did the hero get? Who did they become? Right? You have intrinsic and extrinsic mm -hmm. uh, um, pleasurable things that the hero receives. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I challenge you to look at any story you love, you'll find those four Ps. Mm -hmm. Problems and pain, mm -hmm. a paradigm, a way of thinking that kept mm -hmm. the hero stuck. They, they, they found out some new information or a new way of doing something that gave mm -hmm. them power. So they could do different. And then there was a pleasurable ending. Those are the four pieces of story when we're helping people to cultivate their story, whether it's for business or leadership or communicating with themselves. Yeah. We always go through those four pieces. That is really awesome. And is there some deeper techniques in that? Like, do you bring in color and and smells and things like that? Is there like emotion? Obviously, there's a lot of emotion in stories, right? So is there a deeper impact on telling stories if you dive in with like certain other aspects? Yes, we, we are a sensory creature yes. and anything that can help embolden mm -hmm. our connection yeah. to the narrative, mm -hmm. we want to use. So if, if for, for example, let's talk about tonality. If I told you a story yeah. in a very monotone voice and didn't change my emotional inflection, <laughs> no matter what listen. I say, I'm, right? So all of these small things and how mm -hmm. we communicate impact how the story is received uh -huh. so if you can add music if you can add color if you can so in our and i might my company lead your story we look at all of these narrative cues so when we're helping mm -hmm. companies to develop videos that tell their story yes. well we want to make sure the design and the set is is it imbues the ethic and ethos of the story mm -hmm. i can't have you be a clean-cut corporate person talking about this but we have a grungy graffiti background. The energies don't mix. The, the signals <laughs> tell us work. that something isn't right. <laughs> Somebody's lying. So, 
<laughs> somebody's not telling the truth. So, so that's what we mean by being congruent yeah. with your story elements. Your emotions should should be mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. The colors, the, the 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 congruence of you as a storyteller and believing it. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you well. We we write scripts for some leaders and and they get on set and they start recording it and it's not mm-hmm. them. They didn't take the time to take our advice around what the story was to mm-hmm. make it theirs. They take my word, how X would say it as the gospel. And I say, hey, no, these are the elements of your story. Mm-hmm. Now it's to you for you to figure out how to bring these together in your own way. Mm-hmm. But you got to have confidence that your own way is the way. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, they, they come up with, a, you know, an expert like me and they say, like how he said it, how we did it is the truth. No, I'm just giving you a blueprint and a guide. Now you have the raw ingredients to make your own story. Mm. Um, so yes, all of it matters. Uh, but the biggest thing that matters is that you believe it. Because if you don't believe it, nobody else is going to believe it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you don't believe it, it, it comes through. We have these yeah. things that that happen outside of the context of language where you say mm. 80% of communication is nonverbal. Yeah. So we, we, we can tell when someone isn't authentic and true and connected, mm-hmm. we feel it. We can't put our finger on it, but something just isn't right. Yes. So one of the core foundations about being a great storyteller is that you believe mm-hmm. that it is fully and wholly true for you. Mm-hmm. That is foundation ground floor. Now we can start building on top of that and, and kind of stripping away certain things and carving certain things to make it more palatable to your audience mm-hmm. but ground floor you gotta believe yeah yeah no definitely i completely agree with you on that one so on your bio you're also an expert in meditation you've done ten thousand hours of meditation that is so much well done congratulations on that because i, you, I do you. like 10 minutes a day so we'll probably take like 100 years to get to ten thousand hours but how do you do it as how did you actually decide that this is the point you're going to meditate and i mean crack it ten thousand plus hours that's a lot how did you get to that yeah you know for you know i've been meditating since i was 18 so that's 25 years of uh meditating but there was a period of a of about 10 years where i was doing three four hours a day and during the winter solstice period, I would yeah. lock myself away on a retreat where I would do a fast for like 10, 15 days on just water. Wow. And I would meditate 12 hours a day. Like I went into these very extreme meditative rituals to really help me to understand who I was and what I was yeah. about. And the million dollar question is, well, should I do that? That's what clients often ask me. I was like, no, <laughs> I do not recommend it. It was for me. Yeah. to feel congruent with me telling you how to do it, which mm. in your 10 minutes a day, Joy, is perfectly suitable and fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the goal isn't 10,000 hours. The goal is to connect with yourself in such a, a, such a way that you can truly understand who you are, mm. what moves you, and the voice and truth around, around what this life is going to mean for you as it unfolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for many, and this is just my belief, mm-hmm. a lot of people think of meditation as a way of emptying. I don't, I don't believe in that, that as a way or, or, or even feel like it's, um, it's worth the time and effort. Yes. If you meditate and sit down for 10 minutes a day and all you're trying to do is empty yourself, you will get all the benefits of reducing stress, mm-hmm. uh, putting in together, putting up a parasympathetic response that heals the body, mm-hmm. um, reducing anxiety. You have a, a whole host of beneficial things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But when you add meditation on to top of what I call perfected persona meditation, where instead of trying to quiet the mind, Mm -hmm. you instead give it a story to practice, drill and rehearse. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're in the habit of eating bad food, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to lose weight and you can't stop. Mm -hmm. Well, I would advise you to meditate on eating good food. Forget the whole clearing of the mind. Practice to rehearse yourself eating good food. Practice to rehearse positive emotions like, oh, this is so good. See yourself opening your fridge and being excited to eat a salad. Do that a thousand times in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You can practice drill rehearse a scenario through meditation over and over and over again, just like that. You can't do it in real life, mm-hmm. just like that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about the mind. It can't determine what, the difference between what is real and what is imagined. So what you're doing is you're giving yourself reps, reps of practicing, drilling, and rehearsing a correct behavior with the emotions associated with it. And as you see yourself doing that, you're also future pacing the emotional connection to you losing weight, seeing yourself happy and joyful and, and, and looking a certain way. If you do meditation that way, you not only get the positive effects of the parasympathetic response, the healing, the lower stress and anxiety, but you're also programming your mind to think a certain way. That's powerful. And I think that's the biggest disconnect that people think Mm -hmm. about meditation. Uh, I even heard monks say, there is no way to shut down the brain. They've Mm -hmm. meditated 30,000 hours. There is no way. Mm -hmm. The key is being able to detach from that constant, incessant cycling of stuff being pulled into your awareness. Mm -hmm or being able to gravitate toward things that are more conducive to who you want to be or what you want to believe. So 10 minutes is sufficient, perfectly fine. I say you can get tons of benefit from not only meditating and quieting and sitting down and taking some time for yourself, Mm. but to use what I call perfected persona meditation, where you're practicing being your perfect self. That's really good. I really like that. Tony Robbins does a thing. Um, I forgot what it's called. I think it's called priming where he does the same similar thing. Like you meditate and then you go through this whole imagining, you know, things yeah. in your life. And it is, mm-hmm. it's really powerful when you do that. Definitely. I completely yeah. agree with you. Why do you contribute to your success? Ah, uh, you know, the basics, they almost sound mm-hmm. trite at this point. You hear the same <laughs> things over and over and over. Like who's going to say something new, but basics win the yeah. game the fundamentals but I, i'll go back to what we talked about earlier one of the, the things i think that has allowed me mm-hmm. to go through some pretty harrowing situations is just being able to reframe what has happened to me in an empowering light mm-hmm. um I, i'll share another story when i when i was when i was uh eight or nine mm-hmm. we were visiting my my auntie in uh, san diego um, california southern california and she had a pool we thought she was rich and we didn't know how to swim. So we would stay on the, you know, the, the, the non-deep end, three feet of water. And we wouldn't go to the deep end. We knew we would drown. But I was on the side of the pool playing with my Hot Wheel cars. You know, yeah. they, I love this Hot Wheel. I was playing with it. And, then, and I threw it between my legs and it rolled into the deep end in the pool. And my dad came running up behind me. He said, go get it. I was like, what? Go get it. It's like, go get it. And before I knew it, my dad picked me up and threw me into the deep water. And uh, I panicked, of course, I I was taking in water, struggling, hollering and screaming, trying to find a way to get to the edge of the pool. 
And I got there. Apparently, I'm here talking to you, but I got there. <laughs> and uh, I was screaming and hollering. My dad said, come here. And I was, my dad scared the heck out of me. He was, he was, the, he was worse than the Incredible Hulk, in my opinion. And, uh, <laughs> and so I went back to him. He picked me up and threw me in again. He had to do that over and over and over a good eight times before my mom finally said, leave that boy alone. So I'm on the side of the house of joy, crying my eyes out, potentially being traumatized. But again, mm. something in me said, wait a minute, I didn't die. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. Oh my God, wait a minute. I can jump into the deep end and figure it out. 10 minutes later, I was the only little kid who couldn't swim playing in the deep end. If you can find an empowering meaning to what is going on in your life, mm. it will create this force field around you. My dad, mm. he summarized it to me a couple of years ago. He just recently passed. And, and, uh, and this is one of the last conversations we had before Alzheimer's and all this other stuff started kicking in. He was like, Hassani, you find a way to go through the fire without getting burned. And I agree, but I'll add one point of clarification. I get burned just like everybody else. Mm. But afterwards, I can heal a whole lot faster mm. because I don't regret what I went through. I find the empowering meaning, a new mm. story, a new narrative to cleave to. Mm. And that just edifies me and allows me to keep on stepping mm. stronger than what I was before. And if, if I can encourage the audience to, to think about anything else, it would be yeah. whatever story you're telling yourself that is the story that is keeping you locked in the practice drilling and rehearsing of that drama mm. is the trauma that keeps you stuck practice drilling, rehearse a new story mm. and you'll move past wherever you are right now that's really awesome so how do you is that one of your methods to to cut to basically get through the struggles in life yeah i am Hey, it may, maybe I'm just weak. I tell people, don't think I'm strong. Maybe I'm just weak. I, I can't deal with all that, that pain. I'm going to be like, yo, hey, all right, that happened. And that means this. No, it doesn't. To me, it does. Yeah. It means this. It means I am better or I'm this. And some, you know, some, some asshole will say, no, it doesn't. How did you make that conclusion? Because I mm. did. The one of the things I tell people, it doesn't have to be true. You just have to believe it. Yeah. And, and that's the key, because remember what I said, you only need to light the next, the path for the next step. Mm. I don't got to light the whole path. I don't have to have it all figured out. I just have enough light in front of me to feel like I can take the next step in confidence. Yeah. And um, that's been my coping mechanism, mm. you know, from, from dealing with going through death in my family and, and having a father who was a little, you know, rough around the edges to losing people that I love in my life. You know, my, my, my high school started with 500 freshmen. Just wow. to give you context, only 38 of us are still graduated. Wow. Like, like, wow. like when, you, when you think about crazy, crazy stuff that you see on the movies, that was my life growing up, an everyday occurrence. And the only way I was able to survive mm -hmm. it and to actually thrive through it mm. had nothing to do with being more talented than anybody else. Mm. It had nothing to do with working harder than anyone else. It had everything to do with finding an empowering meaning to the mm. stories and narrative that guided me, mm -hmm. which kept me moving forward and moving mm. forward just a little bit each day. Yeah. 
that compound interest we talked about, mm -hmm. that consistency is what's going to allow you to separate yourself and to live your very best life. That is really, really powerful. I just want to go back to the storytelling for a little bit here, because also one of the questions that you recommended on your bar to ask, and um, I was actually like, this is actually a really, really good question, because I have a coaching program where I teach uh, basically small business owners how to generate leads and sales. And, um, mm -hmm. and obviously, one of the big parts of that is teaching them how to tell stories now I'm not a professional mm. storytelling person but you know obviously there's scripts and things like that so I do love the whole idea behind telling stories now obviously storytelling can really impact your business and it can grow your business because I mean you're getting yourself out there in different ways and I'm big for not just posting a thing on Instagram I actually always tell a story about the picture that I that I post about what is your idea behind basically telling a story to grow your business that is a great question. And if you're listening and you are a business owner mm -hmm. and you're not telling stories, you are leaving so much money, income, but also impact on the table. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember closing my first six-figure deal and it had nothing to do with being the best service provider. Yeah. It had to do with telling a story. So I was, I was trying to close a deal. And I don't know if you've been there, Joy, where you mm -hmm. have you got to close. This isn't one of those, like, yes. it will be nice to close. Like I have to close this yep. deal because I don't know how we're going to eat and pay to pay to like I had to. Mm -hmm. So everything is smooth, right? Everything is going good until you get to the point where they're signing and giving you payment information. It's like, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, what's happening? The deal is falling apart. I'm like, oh no. And instinctively I was like, listen, when my brother died, I became a professional fighter because I had to face my own fears. And let me tell you about my first fight. It was back in 2004. It was still illegal in 48 states. We fought on Native wow. American land because it was illegal everywhere. Wow. And I go into the arena. I couldn't sleep for three weeks leading up to the fight. I was nervous. I was scared. The, the announcer was like, are you ready for a no holds bar fighting contest? People throwing beer cans and popcorn and the, the sound is blaring. And my heart is beating a thousand beats a minute. And I get up to the cage and they open it and I look on the mat and there's blood all over it. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? The cage door closes behind me. The person I'm fighting is crazy. He's pacing the ring, running back and forth, talking about, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh my word. Joy, I was, <laughs> I was shitting bricks. And, and you know, you got to be a tough guy though. So I was like, no, I'm going to kill you. But inside, I was like, I wish I could do I Dream of Genie, blink and be anywhere <laughs> but there. But then the bell rings and you're training, your instinct, it takes over and we're going at it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm doing pretty good until I'm in my corner. I'm exhausted, more exhausted than I've ever been in my life. I feel like I'm about to quit. I feel like, like I'm about to get knocked out soon. I'm about to tap. And I hear this voice that says, remember what you're fighting for. That was my coach. He doesn't even remember saying it, but I remember it distinctly because I thought about my wife. I thought about, you know, my kids. I thought about all the things that are important to me, all the things that I had been through. And I was able to find something that I didn't know I had. Hmm. Fast forward, I was able to knock him out later in that round. And I said, you know, it doesn't sound like you know what you're fighting for. Hmm. What are you fighting for? Five minutes later, she signed. <laughs> That's awesome. It had, it had nothing to do with the service. Mm -hmm. We already had distinguished that I have some value to offer. 
but it was really about connecting on values mm. and stories. Stories help us to connect on values. Yeah. Value is commodity. Values is brand. And if you can share that and build a bridge between who you are and why you do what you do mm. and get someone to feel, mm. that is going to help you to close a lot more in your small business and be mm. more impactful in the lives of your clients. Yeah, that is very powerful. You said good at storytelling. Obviously, this is what you do, but it's like so fun to listen to you. <laughs> So this story, this, well, the story back, this podcast is also, like I said before, to inspire people. Now with COVID, um, this, my podcast pivoted with COVID when we, the whole world locked down, what was that, 2019, right? Or mm. 2020, 2019. Anyway, uh, so a lot of people are stuck in either starting a business or they're sitting on the fence and like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Or they have maybe started and they failed. What advice would you have for somebody that is in that position? If you're looking to start, there is no secret sauce other than to start, yep. right? Decide on where you think you can provide value, yep. reach out directly to those who you think you can provide value to mm -hmm. and ask them, will they entertain possibly exchanging with you? It may not mm -hmm. be currency at first. It may be they're a case study. It may be bartering. It doesn't really matter. What's most important when you're starting is to get proof of concept. So many of us are paralyzed by the idea of this big behemoth thing that we need to build. And so we never build it. We never lay the first brick. Mm. So let's simplify it. Your first brick is to determine what value you can exchange mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then who you can exchange it with and reach out directly to them mm. and get into a conversation and ask, would they buy this? Mm. Do they value this? Would they like it? You need to have proof of concept early. So many of us mm. spend time building something that the market doesn't want. Correct. And we're scared to hear no. We're scared mm. to see it fail. So we protect this baby. And we invest hundreds of hours, thousands of dollars, a lot of emotion into something that we haven't even talked to anyone about or haven't sold. Mm. I say, if you're starting, sell it before you build it. Mm. And a lot of people go, well, how do you do that? Have an idea. Go, hey, Joy, I'm building this thing. It's going to do this, this, and this. Do you think you will want it? Yeah. How much is it? It's going to be $49, but I'm taking pre-sales right now for $29. Would you like to buy it? If you can't sell it imperfectly, I promise you, you won't be able to sell it perfectly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. all, the, all the stuff we think we need, logos, websites, e-commerce carts, all those other stuff. You can't sell it imperfectly, I promise you having worked with thousands of businesses, literally thousands. If you can't sell it in perfectly, you will not be able to sell it perfectly. So start where you are. Mm -hmm. That's for those who are looking to start. If you're in it and you're stuck or you feel like you're failing, there are four Fs I want you to focus on. Mm -hmm. Reach out to your client base and ask them what makes your product or service special? Why do they like it? Why do they buy from you? Shut up and listen and then jot down what they say. This is going to be one column of mm -hmm. all the facts and functions that, that stand out mm -hmm. as it relates to your product. They're going to be functional things, most likely. Mm -hmm. Have a list of those things. You need to be able to communicate how your product is different from a functional perspective, meaning mm -hmm. utility in the marketplace. So write that list down. That's the first F. Mm -hmm. The second F is feeling functions 
is, a, is, is about value, utility. Joy likes this, so she buys it. Mm -hmm. So it's just a commodity because if someone else provides the same thing, she will then decide who has the best product mm -hmm. and who has the best price commodity. Mm -hmm. So the second F is about brand. And that F is feeling. Mm -hmm. How can you connect a feeling to this function? What story can you tell mm -hmm. to make this thing even more special? And I'll give you an example of someone I'm working with right now. She sells candles mm -hmm. and she did the first F. It was about the wicks being sold to burn. It was about mm -hmm. the smell. It was about her packaging. It was about how her jars can be reused for other stuff. She had 20 things. I said, you're going to create content on these 20 things later, but that's your list of function. How about feeling? And she was confused. Well, what do you mean feeling? Well, why should someone buy that? How can you create an emotional connection? So we started to ask the question, well, who did she primarily sell to? Well, African-American mm -hmm. women. Why do you create these candles? Well, they help me to relax in certain conditions. Some are for relaxing, some are for anxiety, some are for stress. All right, here's what I want you to do. Tell stories around why you made this certain scent for a time and experience in your life and what the average African-American woman, your client is going through. And now with each candle sale, there is a story attached to that candle. So now she has something that's beyond product. Mm. She's a, she's now branding a feeling, feeling. and emotion mm. and building a community and tribe around this commodity. Mm. That's the second F. The third F is finances, mm -hmm. meaning think about how you can reimagine and repackage your offer. Mm. With the candle lady, instead of selling one candle at a time, we've created a monthly subscription mm. where you get a candle, you get a story, and you get a playlist of music that goes along with it all things that cost her nothing, mm. but add immense value to her tribe. So financially repackage your offering. Yeah. And then here's the last F where the rubber meets the road and where most people quit and stop. You need fierce follow-up. You can 3X, 5X your business if you do what I'm about to tell you right now. Make a list on a piece of paper or on a Google sheet, three mm -hmm. columns. Yes, maybe, and no. Everybody who has ever said yes to you in your business goes in the yes column. Everybody who has said maybe mm -hmm. they loved it, but they didn't end up buying is in the maybe column. And everybody mm -hmm. who said, no, I'm not buying it. I don't want it is in the no column. Reach out to those people telling them this new story with this new offer and get them to buy. You do that, you will 3X, 4X, even maybe even 10X your business. Yeah, that's very true. But most people won't do it because they were scared, scared of hearing rejection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you do it, right, that last F, mm -hmm. I promise you with those three Fs prior, because you know better how to communicate your mm -hmm. value, I promise you your business will improve overnight. Yeah. It's the power of follow-up. It's so yeah. true out of the sales point of view. It's it's incredibly powerful, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what is the type of programs that you offer for people? Can you tell people how they can reach you and what you can do them, you know, do for them to help them in their businesses potentially? Yeah. Uh, here's what I encourage you to do. Get onto my newsletter because we're about to launch a whole host of services mm -hmm. that are oriented towards smaller entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and startups. Most of the stuff that I do with my company, Legion Story, they're bigger businesses who have 50, 500, even 1,000 employees. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of brand work for and storytelling internally for building culture for mm -hmm. larger teams mm -hmm. and then for brand work. But we're about to release a whole bunch of courses and small group nice. mastermind stuff that mm -hmm. is oriented towards the entrepreneur. Like mm -hmm. that four Fs I talked about, we have a course for that. 
We have a course called Launch My Story, where we go through the four R's that we use to double our business during the pandemic. How to reimagine your product Mm -hmm. or service, how to rebrand it, how to repackage and relaunch in 72 hours. So all of this stuff is launching in September. Yeah. Um, So I encourage you to connect with me on social media or to Mm -hmm. text me at 800-425-2095. That's 800-425-2095. And you'll be added into my list, our X Factor community. Um, Just yesterday, we did a private training for our community on those four R's and working through how to think about that in your business, stuff that we don't release to the public. And you'll be the first in line once those, those programs drop. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's awesome. Um, we'll definitely pop the link below as well. So you guys can see that. And uh, also the number, we'll make sure that it goes across the, the screen X so they can see that as well. Any other valuable information that you can add to the audience? Yeah, I mean, um, I tell you, lead your story or your mm-hmm. story will lead you. That's nice. Right? Yeah. If you, if you get out front and say, I'm going to lead my next chapter, what has happened is what is in the books. Mm. But from this point forward, you can lead your story mm. because there is a story that's, that's governing who you are, what you mm. do, how you feel, how you show up. Yeah. And you either let that story be written for you in a very reactionary way yes. where life happens to you, or you can step up and lead it. Yeah. They both take the same amount of energy that the, the former of leading your story gets you to where you want to go. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. And you do, you've got this mission, you, like on your bio, it says you've got, a, um, you're on a mission to impact a hundred million lives. Now that is an incredible big goal, but I think being on podcasts is the, a great way to do exactly that because you touch so many lives all at once with just being on one episode. Would you be open yeah. to be on other people's podcasts as well? Oh, yes. When we get off the air, I got two questions I'm going to stay on and ask Joy. Um, first is, <laughs> is, is if you were me, who would you be talking to and what would yeah. you be doing? I, I feel like everyone is my master in some way. Mm. Um, so that's first. And then the second question is, who should I be reaching out to share this message with, whether it's a podcast, mm. a blogger, an influencer? Um, and just those two questions alone have helped me in the last couple of months. I've been on 12 different podcasts over the last uh, month, this month in July. Okay. Well, it's August now. August, yeah, but still. Yeah. We recorded 12 different podcasts and half of those are from being referred by people like you who said, hey, yes. you got to have X on. I'm like, thank you. Yes. But if I didn't ask, I don't know if I would have gotten yeah. it. Yeah, no, because yeah. definitely you've got such a powerful story to share. Well, many powerful stories to share and that 100 million lives, yes, that is that is incredible. I love, love, love that goal. That's That's amazing. X, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so very much. If you guys watch this on YouTube, please do subscribe and share the, you know, share this episode and hit that bell button for more videos like this. Thank you so much, X, and um, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, take care. Cheers.